Warning, what you are about to hear can only be classified as real talk. This podcast is not intended for the faint of heart or the status quo keepers. Schools are big places, and regardless of what you do, you know just how real things can get at times. In this space, we will talk about real people, real schools, and real situations, so you know just what to do when things get real. It's Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. Welcome back. It's been, I don't know, quite a while since we've talked last. We are excited to be with you again. It's been a long summer, which I hope everybody had just an enjoyable time away from school and an ability to relax and spend time with family. But we are back in the thick of it. Almost everywhere in the country, I think, has started school back at this point. Seems like New York and maybe some of the northern states are the last ones to get going. But now after Labor Day, I think we can safely say everybody's back in school a great opportunity for us to be able to start this real talk season up and and we're excited to be with you Jeannie welcome back to continue our journey here on this podcast well thanks Matt so excited to be back I kind of missed having these conversations with you and any of our listeners so glad that we have the opportunity to continue our conversations with some amazing um, educators, authors, colleagues of ours. We look forward to this season, as Matt said. But I just want to know, Matt, like, what have you been up to this summer? Like anything fun you need to share with us? Or not you need to, but that you'd like to. Sure. I I love sharing some of the adventures that we go on. And yeah, this summer was a busy one for me, Jeannie. We went to, took my family, uh, both of my sons, my wife, Uh, to Mexico, got out of the country for a little bit. And gosh, it was so hot down there. I don't know if it's exactly my cup of tea, but probably (laughs) my favorite thing from that trip was uh, we got to go snorkeling in a cave, cenote, uh, closed cenote, which was just, I mean, honestly, one of the coolest things that we've ever been able to do. Fish swimming alongside us that can't see they don't have eyes and that was really beautiful uh (laughs) stalactites and stalagmites and and all of that stuff so that was really a cool experience and then of course we did our few weeks at the beach just to get away and and spend time with family so awesome summer but you know once july rolled around it's kind of back to the grind and working with schools and uh, really to kick off this year it's just been an incredible run so far so i really enjoyed it but i'd love to hear from you too what what were some of the fun things that you did this summer Well, you know, I feel like the summer went by really fast, I think, as it always does. But I got to spend some time with my family. My husband and I were in Hawaii for a week together, kind of seeing all the different islands, which was great. It was was a great summer. I'm just excited, always excited that the school year is back in session and looking forward to making progress with the schools I'm working with and helping them help more students succeed. It is always just really rewarding for them and for me and for all of the leaders and teachers in the system to actually see how some of the work we talk about on this podcast and that we promote makes a huge difference when it comes to you know, improving outcomes for kids. And it's just fun to watch that happen. And there's been several celebrations with some of the schools I'm working with as they looked at their end of year state data that usually comes in at the beginning of the summer. So that's really fun to celebrate with them and to know that 
all the hard work that we put in to, to help guide and support them. And then that the hard work that the teachers and the leaders put in to make it happen actually is working and making a difference. That's really, that's really fun. And the reason why we do the work. Yeah. And, I, and I, one of the things that I've found going into this year that's been, I think, different is, you know, I'm working with some schools now for a second or for a third year. And the, the, the dynamic is different. I love meeting new new schools, new leaders, new teachers for the first time. But I also really love continuing the work, you know, multiple years in a row. When you talked about like really seeing the hard work pay off. What a, what a blessing it is when you've worked with a school for you know a few years to to really see some of these these things that we put into practice last year translate over into some of the states that are releasing data, but even you know on in a shorter scale some of the district assessment results that come out. It, it's been incredible. We go from talking about the stuff to doing the stuff, and yeah, it's been it's been a blessing to to kick off the year in that way. And and like you, lots of celebrations in the various schools that that I've gotten the opportunity to support. So um, makes me excited about this upcoming year as we look towards like, you know, what is this year going to hold? Uh, just a world of possibilities. Absolutely. And I love that we're talking about this because it makes me think about kind of why we decided to do this podcast before we jump into our, uh, I guess, regu regularly scheduled program. But I think when you think about, Matt, the beginning of the school year or you think about you know, we talked about all the hard work it takes, you know, to make these things happen. And it does. I mean, it's not, it's not simple, right? We have to put some effort in to make some of these things happen. When we think about, you know, all the efforts that people put in and sometimes don't get the results that they're looking for, I think there's some things that we've noticed over time, right, that have contributed to that because you can feel like you're working really hard, but then not see the evidence. So what are some of those things, Matt, that you've seen that might be contributing to some of that? One, one of the things that, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot over the last couple of years, and even as we've started this year, that I just feel like it would be it would be huge if we could all look and define at this word the same way. And, and that word is curriculum. We use that word so frequently in education that I feel like sometimes the meaning of that word, uh, it, it gets very loose or sometimes it gets defined incorrectly. And, you know, if you were to type in curriculum, if you were just to go to Google right now and type in the word curriculum, you're, you're going to get just thousands of, of definitions from different sources. Some of those reputable, some of those less reputable. And one of the one of the definitions that I happened upon that I honestly feel like is probably the best one um, that is very, very clear about what that word means uh, is from the Rhode Island Department of Education. Uh, they define curriculum as a standards-based sequence of planned experiences where students practice and achieve proficiency in content and applied learning skills. And, and, and I wanted to start with that definition, Jeannie, because I think when we use the word curriculum too often in our field, we think of the word program. Like we think of the word program and curriculum as being synonymous with one another. And I think that leads to to issues, particularly in the work that we do as we go in and coach schools. Have you noticed similar kind of experiences in, in the schools that you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I just want to say, I, I put curriculum into a Google search, as you were saying that, and there, there are lots of different definitions. Some I agree with and some I don't. 
Um, and yeah, I think that is a big struggle for so many schools because it's, is the curriculum, the resource that we was just purchased that we're being told to follow with fidelity. But then on the other hand, I have these essential standards that I've also been told are important concepts and skills for students to know and be able to do by the end of the year. So it's, there's sometimes a conflict between those two things. And I think it's because of the way we define curriculum a lot of the time. It's it's not the resource. It is the standards, the things that we said were essential for students to know and be able to do by the end of that school year. Yeah. Um, and so we should be able to use our resource to get to those essentials. Um, but it gets tricky because the standards are often spiraled throughout those resources. And so people feel like they have to follow the resource in order to ensure the spiral happens. So two things come to mind for me around that. One is when choosing the resource, consider how the essentials will be able to be taught using the resource. Sure. And if it feels like the spiral is too intense, then maybe that's not the right program. So I do think people need to think about that in choosing curriculum resources. <laughs> I almost did it right there. But in choosing curricular resources, we need to be considering that piece. I remember that this whole thing kind of came into play for us when we were looking at a math program and we were looking at everyday math, which we had had in our district for a long time. And then realized that it was that that's a pretty intense spiral, the way everyday math had set up their program. It was really dependent on the spiral. So it was like you had to teach it in the order it was given. And all of the standards were kind of interwoven into that spiral. So we had lots of conversations about are we going to live in the essential standards world? Or are we going to live in the follow the resource world, right? And we had to figure out what the balance was. Right. And then when we picked our literacy program, you know, I, you know, we followed it with fidelity, that, that, that effort that yeah. we talk about. We did for the first year simply to understand what was packed inside that resource, right? We wanted to make sure we understood how it worked um, by actually implementing it for a year. But then we started to loosen that up because we realized we we have to yeah. focus on the essentials and use that resource as um, as just that a resource. But we also had to create documents in our system where we listed the essentials and then identified the lessons within each of uh, the units that were going to hit each of those essentials in a way that was meaningful, sure. right? Instructionally. Um, address those standards. Yeah. So we had to we had to make um, some documents to kind of help people see how the essentials could come to life through the resource. Absolutely, Make sense. And, that was a long yeah, answer, but no, 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 that's yeah. perfect. And it honestly highlights kind of my thinking around it as well. You know what we're not saying, and and what I I hope nobody would take away from this conversation is that you shouldn't have curricular resources that you provide right. to your staff. In fact, I would say it's malpractice to not provide a good research-based curricular resource for, for folks to go to and utilize. I think where it gets tricky is when 
you know, we start using the word fidelity and, and, and regardless of what we're learning as we're going through it, teachers feel like they, there's no variation off of or to supplement to the curricular resource that they have available. And right. you, you know me, I'm a, I'm a huge office nerd, like the show, The Office. And, and yeah. so this is really going to connect for some of the people that are like me <laughs> out on that show. But there's an episode um, on the show where Michael Scott is trying to win clients back over. He's trying to get the clients that they used to have that went somewhere else back. And he's going to do that. Um, and he's kind of in this fight with the company about whether they should use technology or they should use the old fashioned way. And his old fashioned way is like delivering fruit baskets to former uh, folks that were, were using their company. And as he goes out and is trying to deliver these fruit baskets, he's using uh, like an old school Garmin GPS system that's on his dash. And what's so ridiculous about it is that the, the Garmin or GPS is telling him to drive straight through a lake, right? The road goes right <laughs> into the lake. And yeah. because he's trying to prove a point that he's got to use technology because that's what the company wants him to do. He drives his car into the lake and then he can say, well, <laughs> the technology told me to do it. And I think about that sometimes. And I think about what as leaders, sometimes when we're telling our teachers or, you know, our staff that you must follow this program to fidelity. I think what you're really telling them is ignore what's in front of you, ignore the fact that you may be driving your car into a lake and just blindly follow this. And I think that's the exact wrong message to uh, to tell your teachers, especially when we're trying to grow their, you know, ability to, 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 to teach the standards. And I feel like there's a level of professional autonomy and judgment that we should allow teacher teams uh, to engage in that may mean that, you know, sometimes we're going to deviate off our curricular resource a little bit if there's a need. And that's the conversation I think we should be having our teachers engage in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Jeannie? Well, it's so interesting that you said that because I was just talking to a team today in a school that I'm working in, and they were talking about how they professionally felt that one of the units in their program should have been moved to earlier or earlier or later, I can't remember which one, in the school year. And really, prof as, as a team of educator professionals wanted to make that call, but they were nervous to do that because it aligned with their essential standards better as well. Um, but they were nervous to do that because they were fearful that there was going to be some repercussion for doing that. But interestingly, what they told me is, when the new version of their program came out, that move was made by the program as well. So it yeah. was like, we should have followed our instincts. And I said, you know, your professional judgment is important too. Right. And I, and I know that, you know, there are some, some messages from the district that people need to follow. Right. But there is that you're in doing the work every day with your students and, sometimes the teachers do have a better understanding of what would make the most sense. Um, and I, I'm saying that even I'm the person who would often tell people <laughs> in my role as, you know, assistant for teaching and learning, I would tell people to follow with fidelity at times. Right. And I had my reasons for doing that, but, you know, I think, I think there has to be some happy medium that, 
you know, if it, the main thing has to be the essential standard. So how are we going to make sure that every student in third grade, for example, leaves third grade knowing and able to do those things? Now, if the program followed in the order that it's given will do that for us. Okay. But if not, we need to figure out how we're going to make sure that that happens. Yeah. And I think, I think when you yeah. make, when you make your essential standards, the North star, like that is what mm -hmm. the goal is. Mm -hmm. If students are mastering essential standards, then that allows us to be better consumers of the products or the programs that we're putting in front of, of students. And so I, I do think there's a happy medium there, um, a, a way to, to use good research-based curricular resources and also teach our essential standards. And so, you know, that's yeah. just something that I feel like has presented issues, particularly when we're working, you know, in the PLC process and we're trying to engage teams of teachers uh, engaging collaboratively to be able to make decisions. Uh, that has been an obstacle. Jeannie, I know that, that maybe you've you've seen some things too that, you know, you feel like to start this season of, of Real Talk, you wanted to highlight. Well, I think I was talking to some principals today about kind of their frustrations in looking back at the end of the previous school year, last year, looking back and going, gosh, like I didn't get into classrooms as much as I wanted to. I don't have a good sense of what instructional practice looks like in my school. That was the conversation we were having um, because, you know, the conversation went from there were so many behavior issues that I had to deal with that I felt like I never could get away from that to be able to get into the classroom. And so the conversation kind of flowed to how how do I make sure that that doesn't happen this year? Right. And so, and we, we just kept talking about like, what are all the resources you have in place? How are you using those resources? You know, human resources, any resources that you have within your system, you know, how are you using those? Do you need to keep doing it the way you always have been? Are there people who can jump in and support some of that behavior work? What, what do you need? What do we need to do as a school to ensure that, um, there aren't as many behaviors. How are we being proactive about that and teaching behavior? Th those types of things became the conversation. But ultimately, the conversation was about, I don't want to look back again at the end of this year and be like, okay, that's another year that I didn't get to keep an instructional mindset as a leader, right? I didn't understand what was happening instructionally. I didn't, I wasn't able to support instruction there's nothing more important than that in a school, right? And I what know is behavior is just as important, right? We need to concentrate on that too. But we also need to consider, you know, what are those things that we want to make sure happen in our school? I think it's just focus and intentionality is what it is. So what do you want to focus on? What do you want to be intentional about? And how are you going to make sure that you can look back at the end of the year and go, you know what? We did everything we could to to I did everything I could we as a system did everything we could do to really make progress in those areas that have been a struggle in the past yeah so I think, I think, I think it's you're right. that yeah and you know focus yeah. I like that word focus because I do feel like that is you know instrumental yeah. if you want to move your school forward you've you've got to have a very clear focus of what the main thing is and, and you yeah. said it like what's the purpose of school 
well, I think it's to ensure that students are learning at high levels. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other things that happen in schools on a daily basis. There's a lot of things going on. I think about right now in the school year, you know, we're we're kicking off the year. And for me, it's like the best time of the year because it's football season. I could get sidetracked <laughs> every which way with sports because that's kind of the thing that I love to do in my spare time. And all of that stuff is great. And it's a part of being, you know, in a high school or middle school or whatever the case may be. But the reality is that's not the purpose of school. The purpose of school right. is to ensure that students are learning it at high levels. And so anything that would distract or pull you away from that focus mm -hmm. is not something that's worth your time. Uh, not to say that you shouldn't have sports and all that. Please don't hear that. No. But what I am saying is. You would is, never say that. <laughs> no, I would, I would never say that. No way. But, 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 you know, in our field, there are just so many golden carrots out there that it's just easy to chase. And, and, and the thing is, none of those golden carrots are necessarily bad in and of themselves. Yeah. But the second that it starts distracting you from the main thing, then mm -hmm. it's not worth your time anymore. And, and I think right. that, you know, that idea of going into this year focused on the right stuff and making that, that is, that is going to be what drives you mm -hmm. to me is huge. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I, I can't, think of any leader who would say that they were always totally focused and intentional. And I would say I wasn't either as a leader. And I wish, you know, I had been more focused and intentional at times. I think there were times that I was and other times that I wasn't, but I, I think that that's, it takes some discipline, right. To, to really not get sidetracked by a lot of the other things that could really take our attention away. I was just recently, again, this week, working with a, another school, um, a school district where we were talking about, you know, what are your next steps? What are we going to be focused and intentional about? And it was so interesting because there were probably six schools from the district at the session and probably three, at least three of them said, we got us, we have to take what they called the fluff out of our day-to-day -day work. And I, I asked them to define them, like, what do you mean by fluff? And they were like, just all the extra things that we're doing. And, and, and I don't think it was all like fun things they were going to take away, right. but it was like the fluff that was keeping them from staying focused on the essential standards is really where that was coming from. And so they started making plans for Let's identify what those things are because the, the conversation was really around what do we need to stop doing, start doing, you know, that whole conversation, continue doing. And they came up with some really, they had aha moments about what the fluff was in their, in their own context. And I think those are the things too, that we have to pay attention to. Like, what do we need to stop doing so we can be more intentional about the important things that are going to get us to a place where more students are learning more. That's exactly. what we want. Yeah. Right? We always think about what we need to start doing and very right. rarely do we think about the things that we need to stop doing. Um, and, and unfortunately yeah. I think sometimes we get to capacity. <laughs> We're asking people to do more than they can physically do. And if we don't take the time to, to pause and say, what are we going to stop doing? You know, it's all right. for naught. Um, and, you know, going back to your point, too, about, you know, just thinking of fluff is fun. You know, I think that the reality is by focusing on essential standards, nobody said that you can't have fun um, right. making sure that students are learning those essential standards at a high level. Of course, of course you can. But there's right. other things that we do that's fun that maybe isn't so focused on 
students mastering essential standards. And maybe that's the stuff that we have to stop, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was interesting. I didn't, I didn't push them on what those things were, but I know they were creating lists of those things that they were like, we have to stop doing this, this, and this, right. Or we have to stop a lot of it were, you know, were things like we have to stop using language that identifies students as low, right. Or like just little things like that, they were starting to realize, you know, we probably should stop doing those things because we don't, we maybe don't recognize how, what that's communicating about our belief systems. Right. Yeah. Well, Jeannie, I was in a school building, yeah. you know, the last two days and I've gotten to work with this school now for, for, for two years. And uh, the, the cultural change that's taken place in that building has been in, incredible. And one of the things that I've, that I've noticed, the principals noticed, and they've noticed about themselves is they're not spending time talking about kids with labels like, you know, high, medium, low, or, or anything along those lines. It's more of here's where our students are at right now. And here's what we're going to do to address that, right? Like it's more mm -hmm. solution focused as opposed to just sitting and talking about stuff that we can't control. And mm -hmm. what I find is, you know, it's easy if you're having a collaborative team meeting, you know, to sit there and just talk about all of the obstacles that you're facing. And you look up and 45 minutes into the meeting, you've not really accomplished anything other than pointing out stuff that really we've not figured out any solutions to. So it's okay to recognize maybe where a student's at on a particular skill. That, that's fine. But what are we going to do about that? I think that's where we got to get shifted to. And that's just, again, it goes back to focus. Are we focused on stuff outside of our control? Or are we focused on what are we going to do about it uh, to mm -hmm. move forward? And mm -hmm. you know, that that would be something I think that would 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 help push that that shift in mindset would help push teams forward to better meet the needs of their students because you can't control who's coming to your building, but you sure can control what you're doing when they're in your building between 830 and 330 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should spend our time on. Yeah. So I think we talked about two things. Uh, one is this whole idea of curriculum and how we use that word and really keeping it more focused on the standards versus the resource. And would you add anything to that, Matt? No, I think that's, okay. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And then the second one is really just being focused, intentional, um, and thinking about if we want to start doing some things differently, what do we also need to stop doing so that we're not overwhelming our system as well? That's how we can stay focused when we don't have too many things going on. Yeah. And I think a shift in thinking just around those two things. Um, yeah. would be so significant for a school and and, and, mm -hmm. and for a leader trying to, you know, make the, the main thing, the main thing in their building. So yeah. um, that would be a challenge, I think, as we look towards this, not towards the upcoming year, but the year that we're in. Yeah. And Jeannie, <laughs> speaking about kind of where we're at with this podcast, we, we, we ended last season with, you know, really the start of a trilogy, but a focus on coaching. And we had a little hiatus in the summer, but coming up in just like literally the next week, we're going to continue our focus. Do you want to tell our listeners about what they should expect in the next episode? Yes. Um, I'm really excited because uh, not only do I love both of these ladies very much, but I respect their work and I know anything that they write is going to be amazing. But this book uh, that we'll be focusing on by uh, Kim Bailey and Chris Jackasick is called Make It Happen. And I'm just going to read a little section to you that they wrote in the about the book piece for the purpose of why they wrote this book. And here's what they say. They say our purpose for writing this book is to provide instructional coaches and anyone 
supporting the work of teams with a guide they can use to engage in the right work, a collective focus on continuously improving a school's results in student learning. It's intended to marry the important role of coaching with the powerful work collaborative teams must accomplish. So after taking a look at the purpose that Chris and Kim lay out for Make It Happen, we're going to dig a little bit deeper with them into what are the tools, the processes, the protocols, the strategies, and why are they so important in moving, helping teams move forward in this work? Um, I know for sure that when teams are first engaging in some of these practices, they really do need some ways to think through student learning, right? They need some protocols. They need some ways uh, to consider the data, right? They need to understand, and they also need somebody, whether that's um, a team leader, a coach, a principal, to kind of grab them by the hand and say, let me help you, let me support you, let me show you. And I think that's what um, Make It Happen really is just chock full of ways to support and guide teams to uh, focus on the three big ideas, focus on learning, collaborative culture, results orientation, and really intentionally answer the four critical questions. What is it we want students to know and be able to do? How are we going to know? What are we going to do if they don't? And what about students who need some extension and need to take it to the next level? So I'm excited to talk with them and hear what they have to say about it. And a team, a team leader, like I said before, can be the person who is guiding and supporting some of this work. And I think principals can really work with their guiding coalitions to make sure that people are ready to be able to do it as well. So it's it's not a book just for coaches. It's a book for everybody. Yeah. And, I, and I think timely as well. I, I can tell you in the last month, I can't tell you how many text calls I have gotten from either schools that I, I am supporting actively or uh, from people that I've worked with previously, specifically mm -hmm. wanting supports on how do I coach teams and individual teachers with the PLC process in mind. So I cannot wait for this episode. Obviously, we're going to have two incredible uh, ladies on that have just so much experience and knowledge. Uh, but I just think that this this topic right now, especially here at the beginning of the year, super needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to it. Well, as we wrap things up, uh, we want to want to thank you for joining us and excited about this upcoming season uh, that, that we will have in store for you. We love doing this work. So one thing that you can do to help us out, like and subscribe to our podcast. We, we certainly want to see that. But more importantly, share this with your friends and colleagues, anybody that you feel like could benefit from. The things that we talk about on this podcast, we want this to be really a mini PD that, that we're kind of engaging in together and learning with one another. So thank you for, for tuning in. We look forward to uh, not seeing you, but uh, you all hearing us again next week. And we'll talk to you very soon. Have a good one. tuning in to this edition of Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to like and subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode when it drops. Until next time, stay focused, stay vigilant, but most importantly, keep it real.